This is uh, Come Receive the Light from the Orthodox Christian Network. I'm Mike Trout. Our host is Father Christopher Metropolis, and we're on the web at myocn.net. The bishops of the Orthodox Christian Church are given the responsibility to preserve the dogma and protect the faithful from heresy. In a very real sense, they are like fathers in a family. Father Chris mentioned a few minutes ago that we were going to uh, talk with Bishop Gregory of Nisa, the primate of the American Carpatho-Russian Orthodox Diocese. And in this month, when we honor fathers here in the U.S., the topic of that conversation, which is up next, is the paternal nature of the bishop. Uh, One of the many responsibilities of the hierarch, as we said, is to protect the dogma of the faith. How do you do this? It's a huge, huge issue to deal with. Well, I would say that, first of all, the leadership of the Church needs to have a very good, a very clear knowledge of what the Orthodox faith really is, its history, its practices. And then, secondly, we have to be extremely vigilant, Mm -hmm. constantly on the lookout for things that start to creep in from the outside uh, faith groups and from pop culture into our communities. Mm -hmm. People see things on television and they think this is orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. No. They read something in a book, this is orthodoxy. No. Someone has to be that sort of a protector. Mm -hmm. And that falls on locally, of course, the priest, but uh, in a larger picture, the bishop. Okay. And then I would say, thirdly, um, no bishop is an island of his own. He is working with other hierarchs. And in the Assembly of Bishops, bishops of the canonical Orthodox here, uh, bishops, we are staying well connected with ourselves and in addition to our mother churches. And if we do this, we can fight off the heresies that uh, come in, then uh, the wolves that are attacking our faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to provide the protection. And so always uh, in a vigilant uh, state. So knowledge knowledge and vigilance are the two keys right there. Absolutely. Okay. You have to have this, or something is going to happen, and you're going to go, what happened? Uh, why didn't I catch this? Because I didn't uh, protect, I wasn't vigilant, and I didn't even know. Okay. I lack the knowledge. All right. How about the role of the bishops with that of a father? How do we compare those two or bring them together? Well, I would say... <clears throat> This is a nice question, because the bishop is the father of his people. He is, of course, the shepherd. He has been given the staff and the responsibilities by others to take care of his flock. But uh, when we talk about the bishop, he has to be also the father. Mm -hmm. He has to be able to guide and to share with everyone the truth of the faith, how things really are. Not some kind of fantasy land, because we can get uh, pulled into fantasy land easily. Always he has to be loving, like the loving father. But occasionally, when necessarily uh, necessary, he has to put uh, a tough love. Mm -hmm. You know, he has to be the disciplinarian. He doesn't want to do this, but no father wants to be the disciplinarian. But he knows it's his responsibility to, when he needs to, to put his foot down about something. And uh, the father-slash-bishop has to lead by example. Hmm. I mean, the child learns from the parent. So the faithful 
learn from their bishop, learn how to be loving, how to be compassionate, how to be caring, how to be faithful, how to share the love of Christ with others. This has to come from from the shepherd. Mm-hmm. He has to show them and remind them, because sometimes we forget that this is who we're supposed to be. So there's protection, there's guidance, there's love. All of these are those those valuable traits of fatherhood. Absolutely. Whether they be in a bishop or in a father within his own family, right? That's right. Okay. You just have a larger family. Larger family. When I'm with my people, I say, you know, you are my family, right. because they are. Right, they are. Now, let's talk about expressing the traits. Uh, I do my best. I mean, how, how do you deal with expressing that love to so many people? Well, I would first say that I watch how my father was with me. And so he provided protection and shelter. He provided guidance. He showed me love and, again, when necessary, the discipline. Uh, For me, I have to spend time with my people. Mm -hmm. And I love spending time with my people, talking with my people. And so I visit my communities for feast days. I go to communities when they're celebrating an anniversary milestone, say, 25, 50, 100 years uh, an anniversary of a priest who has been uh, in the ministry for 25 or 50 years. Uh, if there's a wedding, they try to go to the wedding. If there's a baptism, if there are, you know, uh, business conventions or sobors, clergy laities, to be there to get to know your people. You cannot be, in my opinion, a good shepherd sitting in the office. Office work is very important, and we like to keep it moving. But I believe that time with the people is the more important of the two. You and I spent a few summers at the St. Stephen summer camp. I, we did, Father. And I know that uh, summer camping is, any kind of camping really, is important. But those summer camp programs within your diocese has one of the most successful summer camps. And I understand that you are there every day that camp is in session. Why why is it important for you to be there, Your Grace? Well, uh, let me just say that I've been working with young people my entire life. And uh, when I was in the metropolis of Atlanta and we were at summer camp, I was responsible for youth ministry of the the metropolis. And for five weeks, I was at St. Stephen's, as you said. Mm -hmm. And so I got used to summer camp time. You go to camp. When I was consecrated the bishop here, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and I told them at the at the consecration banquet, I'm going to be at summer camp. I don't think they believed me that I would be there the whole time. <laughs> Our Camp Nazareth is in northwestern Pennsylvania, and I consider it the crown jewel of our diocese when it comes to youth. Hmm. It's uh, used by us for three weeks. The Pittsburgh metropolis of the GOA is there for four weeks. There's an Episcopal Diocese of Western Pennsylvania that they're there for a week, and they have been there from the beginning, all these groups. And we're almost 40 years now there. For the weeks that we're there, when I say that we, the Carpathian Russians and their kids and myself, a child comes for one to three weeks, and they are in our piece of paradise on Earth. This is the way I describe it. They come, they unplug from the electronics. No iPhone. Can you imagine? The child starts oh, gasping know. for air the minute <laughs> you take away their electronics. For sure, for sure. And you, you really mean this, that we can't have electronics? Yes, we really mean it. You have to learn how to breathe a new way mm-hmm. without this electronic giz- uh, gizmos. Mm-hmm. The children come, 
and they're at a place where it's all orthodox. 150 other kids, they don't have to explain anything about orthodoxy because they are all orthodox. Mm-hmm. 18 hours a day, they're orthodox. They're worshiping, there's fellowship, sports, arts and crafts, time with priests that they don't know from other cities, meals, hiking, swimming. This year at Camp Nazareth, we're introducing a new ropes course. Uh, we have uh, every day an hour where the kids of the different cabins sit down with the bishop and they ask him whatever they want. I don't ask them anything. They ask me. And I did this for my first summer because I wanted my kids to learn who their new bishop was. And I wanted to learn the kids. I wanted to know who they were. In the six hours a day, they're sleeping orthodox, if indeed they're sleeping six hours. (laughs) But what's going to come out of this group of young people? the next generation of priests, the next generation of priest wives, catechism teachers, choir members, leaders of parish councils, boards, ladies auxiliaries, who knows, maybe even the next hierarch of our diocese is going to come from this group of kids that are at camp. Camps are wonderful. You know this. Mm -hmm. And we know we're hitting home runs at camp because nobody wants to leave at the end of the week. They're crying, Father. You see them. They don't want to get on the bus. They don't want to get in their car. They don't want to leave. And it's not the little ones. The little ones, I would understand if they're crying. But when I see 17, 18-year-old boys who never cry, crying with each other, hugging each other because they're leaving, you know they had the week of their life. That's right. And they don't want to leave. And so we know that these things are important. If they're important for the kids, I need to be there with the kids. I want it to be important for them and important for me. And so I just take out the month that my kids are there and say, no parish visits, call me if it's an emergency. Other than that, I don't want to know. No, and I've seen you at work with the young people, and and I have to say that, uh, and honestly, I'm very much in awe with the way that you dedicate yourself. I wonder, just so it's not a trick question, but it's a question I think people could ask. How do you respond to people who say that, the bishops being celibate or single, uh, and not having the experience of having holy matrimony, having their own children. I mean, how do you relate to kids? <laughs> well, that's a good question, and we hear it sometimes mm-hmm. as hierarchs. You know, what do you know about children right. and families? Right, right, right. Well, I'd have to say, <laughs> first of all, uh, all the bishops are human beings. Right. They're, they may be single, but they know what love is. Mm-hmm. They grew up in some type of family with parents, maybe siblings. And there was love there. Uh, I personally had 20 first cousins and many second cousins. And so I was always around children my whole life. In fact, I was the oldest of the group. And there's about a 25-year spread from me to the youngest one. So you see that uh, as they were growing up, I was already an adult and they were kids. Uh, I don't believe that I must father a child biologically to understand when a child is happy and thriving, as opposed to a child that's sad and suffering and withering on the vine. I mean, let's be serious. I don't have to have biological children, but I have many spiritual children, and I pray for them and I love them. So I understand what it means to be a child, because I was a child at one time. And when I wasn't loved, I felt it. When I was loved, I felt it. And so, yes, we are not married as hierarchs, but we are married to the church. And in my diocese of nearly 10,000 people, I'm serving as the father of 10,000 members of the family. 
And so, yes, the critics can say this, but, you know, I'm a taxpayer. I can see the schools are not functioning well. I can have an opinion. They're not my children, but I see them. I'm part of the human race. And so it could be a legitimate criticism for some, but hopefully not a broad brush for all the bishops. Your Grace, it's always an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Father Chris, thank you. Bishop Gregory of Nisa is a ruling bishop of the American Carpatho-Russian Orthodox Diocese as a titular bishop of the Ecumenical Patriarchate. And this is Come Receive the Light, a broadcast outreach of the Orthodox Christian Network on the web, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Google+. And to hear this conversation again, uh, go to our website at myocn.net. That's myocn.net. Net. We're a nonprofit outreach. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. Well, we're going to end 